Welcome in to episode number 17 of the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. I'm Chad Noonan, very excited for this episode. I have two amazing Canadian comedians on. First up, Don Ferguson. Of course you know that name. He is a Hall of Famer. He is already in the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame for his work on the Royal Canadian Air Force, one of the greatest shows in Canadian history, not Canadian comedy history, Canadian television history. Absolute legend, Don Ferguson, and had a great chat with him. Also on this episode is Kathy Boyd. I met Kathy at Just For Laughs. She's absolutely hilarious. She was on Canada's Got Talent, has a great story on how that process worked. She's now doing all the clubs across Ontario. Kathy is amazing. Very, very excited to chat with her. But first, before I get to those interviews, we need to break some major news here on the show. If you haven't heard on our social media, if you haven't been to our website in a little bit, the inductees for the class of 2022 have been announced, which is majorly exciting. I will now read the list to you of inductees for the class of 2022. Drum roll, a please. The class of 2022 for the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame will include, first off, in the performer category, Catherine O'Hara, Mort Saul, Michael J. Fox, Phil Hartman, Leslie Nielsen, David Steinberg, and Dan Aykroyd will be joining Norm MacDonald and Mike MacDonald, who were previously announced at the Comedy Store in LA on Canada Day. Let's move on to the creators category. For the creators, Mark Breslin of Yuck Yucks, Ivan Reitman from Just for Laughs, Andy Nullman and Bruce Hills. From the Second City and SCTV, Andrew Alexander. And the legend himself, Morn Michaels. Finally, in the legacy category, we have the cast of Wayne and Schuster, Max Sennett, Stephen Leacock, and Frank Pepiet and John Aylesworth. Congratulations to all the inductees. Coming up after my first interview, I'm going to tell you how you can be there in Toronto to celebrate the inductees in the class of 2022. Three huge events for Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame Festival Week going on in Toronto using three unbelievable venues for comedy. All kinds of great appearances will be happening at events. I'm going to tell you how to get tickets and how to get there. But first off, absolute pleasure talking to the amazing Don Ferguson. Of course, you know Don from the Royal Canadian Air Force. Years and years of firing off that chicken cannon on New Year's Eve is how I will always remember Don. We had a great chat about that. All things Canadian comedy. And he did. He broke it down. Don broke down the list of inductees. He's already in the Hall of Fame. So he broke down the list of who will be joining him. It was a fun, fun conversation. Here it is, my interview with the great Don Ferguson because I want to go through the list of of people who are being inducted this year. And of course, you are an inductee dating back to the first, which I believe was in 2001, correct? Yeah, it was the first a while one. ago. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> a while ago. 20, 21 years we've been waiting. We've been waiting for this induction class. So it's very exciting for all of us at the Hall of Fame. And if, and you know a lot of the, the names on the list. So first name I wanted to bring up to you specifically was uh, somebody you've worked with. I don't know if you know that you've worked with this person, but or, or we're on the same pod projects as this person, but Catherine O'Hara. Do you know oh, the project I'm talking about? No, uh, well, no, I don't. 
Okay, so you did the voice on a cartoon in 1980 for, for Easter Fever. Do you remember this? No, I don't. <laughs> so you, this is this is my deep dive research. So yeah. I, I actually went back and watched it. It was an Easter themed cartoon, and you did the voice of an announcer. And Catherine O'Hara right. uh, was the lead cartoon bunny in the show. She did the voice of a Scarlet O'Hare. So there you go. There's. Well, there's... I'm going to start putting this on my resume now that I've worked with Catherine O'Hara. There you go. Yeah, it's it's on your IMDb page. I don't know if you you know that. So, um, but what but what a what an amazing amazing talent, Catherine O'Hara. I mean, she came up in sketch. Obviously, your sketch, uh, you're known for the air farce and yeah. and all the amazing sketches for that. But but an unbelievable talent to say the least. Yes, absolutely. No, she and she. You know, it's funny. She, uh, you know, she, she, she had a, a fairly kind of, uh, I guess, a dry period for a while, you know, like she, I mean, she, she, she was initially a, a good a, a sketch performer and all that kind of thing and quite well known in Toronto. Then she moved to Los Angeles and then she kind of her, you know, she kind of had, had a low profile. Then when uh, Home Alone came out, you know, and its successor, that's when like, her, her, her profile kind of reemerged and people began to be like, oh yeah, she's pretty good. And she's more than just a sketch performer, you know, she can do more than that, which actually is true for a lot of comedians. I've, over my uh, career, I've realized and discovered that a lot of comedians, including, you know, stand-up people as well as sketch performers, are actually pretty, can be pretty good actors. You know, they, yeah. can, they can really get into a cast because they really enjoy performing. You know, to me, anybody who can as a as a, a stand-up, for instance, I know we're getting off the subject of Catherine here for a minute, but even yeah. who's a stand-up, who's, who's who is can has the guts to stand up in front of an audience with nothing between that performer and the audience and no support. Like you're not working with somebody else, you're not a team, you're solo, and it's your material. Well, you know, it's supposed to be your material. <laughs> your material. Yeah. <laughs> and if you and so if they don't if if they're not laughing, it's because they don't like you. You know, you can't say, well, it's the character I'm playing. They don't like the character I'm playing, or they don't like the script. You know, you're responsible for all of it. Anyway, so but Catherine is a is a a great quirky performer, um, and uh, you know, and I think she comes across as a very nice person. You know, which is also kind of a lovely thing. So many uh, comedy performers have this other side of them that's kind of dark uh, that people don't know about. But I think Catherine is pretty much right up front. Yeah, I, and I met so many. I think that's kind of like the Canadian way, right? Doing doing this show, I met so many of my idols and heroes um, from Canada, and they all come across as as very nice and and very genuine people, uh, which is great. You talked about sketch performers um, and that commitment to sketch and one of them that, that I think of as that is another inductee and that's Phil Hartman yes, um, he could him. he could play that straight man right yeah. and he did it so many so often in SNL but then could get really goofy his range was was I think admirable and, and amazing yeah no I absolutely agree he was one of my favorite performers on SNL ever um yeah because he because he really he could because what he did always was he which is the mark of a good I think a good uh, sketch performer is he always fully committed to the character he was playing. 
you never had a sense that he was that part of his brain was saying i don't quite believe in this or you know uh, a part of his thing was uh, i'm kind of standing back a little bit and kind of you know winking at the audience saying i don't really you know think this is where you know what i'm doing he just he built he plunged in and totally committed to it and that to me is the mark of a a, a great sketch performer and also a, of a good actor yeah I, a heck of an actor and he did voice work as well he yes, was he was on the simpsons awesome. so many amazing things yeah another going back to somebody else you've worked with um uh, I, I think i think you might remember this one because i think you produced it was the cbc all-star comedy homecoming i think right. it was around the cbc's like 50th and that was david steinberg right um right. another inductee he's had to be somebody you've run into a few times in your in your yeah, career well, david steinberg was actually a, a uh, a very close friend of our uh, our director in television, a guy named Terry Rosemont. They're both from Winnipeg. And Terry had known David for a long time. And actually, David hosted a show or fronted a CBC uh, comedy show that was directed by Terry. <clears throat> and we did it in Vancouver. And I think John Candy was in it. Mm -hmm. was, um, Marty may have been in it too, uh, Marty Short. Uh, yeah. I'm not even sure if Catherine was in it, but there was a, a lot of Canadian performers in it. And uh, yeah, David was, a, uh, you know, he was kind of right on, uh, he would have made a great member of it because he was totally into topical comedy. Like he, he other stuff as well, but he understood politics. He had a point of view. He wasn't, and he wasn't afraid to be in, kind of intellectual. He could take on subjects that people at, in his prime that comedians generally didn't go near um yeah he was certain then of course he had a he's had a great later career as a director uh, in los angeles when when i think of like hall of fames i often think of like the baseball hall of fame and if you they always go in on under a certain hat so a team usually you've had the most accomplishments right. for david steinberg is one of those guys that if you had to pick like a stand-up production director sketch he could go wear I, all those hats right Absolutely. Yeah. No, he was, he was, uh, yeah, his, he never stopped being talented <laughs> and he never stopped working. You know, he, he, he just worked and worked and worked and was always so much in demand. And I think as people respected his comedy, I mean, I remember seeing him as probably some of your listeners here might do on the Smothers Brothers show years ago, when that was like about the seventies, I don't know, the eighties, mm -hmm. but you know, he has, he has a, a long pedigree. And a lot of people respect him, so uh, yeah, people were delighted to work with him, and that's why he worked in so he was he was talent was varied, but he's also admired by people who worked in so many different fields that uh, he could just like you said he could direct, he could produce, he could write, he could perform. You know, really a multi-talented guy. Yeah, and and the comment of of never stop working reminds me of somebody else, um, and that's uh, Mort Saul from Montreal, where where you're from as well. I yeah. didn't know this until recently, but up until he turned 93, Mort was still doing um, a Tuesday show online where people would ask him ask him questions. Mort saw probably one of the better talk show guests, I think, in, in history, too, as well. Uh, just, just a legend and, and well-deserving of this induction. Did you ever run into Mort Saul? Or, or, never, or... Never, uh, never ran into him, no, no. But uh, I certainly, as a... As a... As a teenager, I was aware of him, and you know, mm. I was a, a teenager quite a few years ago. <laughs> uh, so, really, when when Mort was was kind of coming on the scene uh, as a as a basically a political uh, comedian, 
who did a lot of kind of what you call political commentary. In some ways, he was closer to, oh, I can't remember the name. Uh, no, it doesn't matter. Somebody who was predated him. But he was, he was, uh, so his, he didn't go for, for like big laughs. He didn't do jokes as much as he talked about what politicians or what, what were doing, what politics were, were about at the time. And he made comments on them that were revealing and funny. Um, so he was he was uh, a kind of a commentator on the on the passing scene. He was he was he was one of the first. You know, I, I consider uh, what we did on Airfire to be out of this, but the same thread that he was on. Uh, yeah, there was never like when I went back and watched clips, there was never anything really flashy with him. It no. was all very smart, and he was sitting there just delivering the material. Had a great stage presence, right. um, which is sometimes half the battle, right? You mentioned the Air Force, of course, which you were on one of the greatest shows in Canadian history the show was heavily influenced by by wayne and schuster the cast of wayne and schuster is is inducted is being inducted this year in the hall of fame can you just talk about their influence on 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 your career and and the show and the shows you've produced on a whole sure well wayne and schuster i mean they were the uh you know the kings of canadian comedy uh, the co-kings if you in Johnny Lane and Frank Schuster. And they were uh, in CBC, they were like the gods. You know, they had because they'd been on radio forever, and then they made the transformation, uh, the transition to television, and they had a series of terrific specials um, that they did after they did their regular weekly uh, episodes. Um, we they didn't do much in the uh, uh, politics, but they pretty much stayed away from most of their sketches. One of the reasons their sketches uh, stand out. <laughs> So many of them were were just they stood alone as, as a sketch. They didn't. There was no really uh, harmful in the sense that in the sense that uh, re references limited their accessibility to modern audiences. Everything was quite. You, you can watch you know some of this stuff today, and it's just still funny because it was funny then. Like air Force, we set out to be um, uh, disposable. That was our our thing. We were we were we were going to be. Uh, we, come, we did stuff that wasn't political and contemporary, but most of the stuff, I think our best stuff always referred to the, the current state of uh, affairs. Um, but of course, so people today, they hear it and they go, who the hell are they talking about? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, but the, so we aspired to be as, well, I say I personally aspired to be as, have to have a show that was as good and as well known as, uh, as Wayne, Wayne and Schuster. Different material, but the same idea. And I remember when we 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 were in radio. We did radio. We, we can't if we've been it ten years or fifteen years. But we used to do our our uh, technical rehearsal on the Sumac Street in Toronto, where CBC had a big facility with, with all their costumes and their, their makeup and props and sets were all stored there. And there were a couple of rehearsal stages, and uh, so we was one of them for our for our, our radio tech. And we're also where Wayne and Schuster rehearsed their, uh, you know, had their first rehearsals <clears throat> with the cast of their material. And so on, when we, when we were on our 10th or 15th anniversary, Johnny and Frank burst into our studio and said, so you've been, been here for so many years. Well, isn't that great? You know what we think of that? Whippersnappers. Whippersnappers. <laughs> <laughs> they had been there since the 1940s or 50s or something. Yeah. Uh, they were very encouraging. 
You guys yeah. were the young, young kids uh, yeah, on the yeah. block. We were the, we were definitely the new guys. Uh, <laughs> we've been around long enough at that point that we began to feel, I think we were starting to feel like pretty comfortable in our role as having a, a, you know, a regularly produced show. But when they came in and said, you're whippersnapper, I realized, oh yeah, <clears throat> I won't talk longevity with them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what I love about Air Force, though, and, and shows like that is your show was really a time capsule for what was going on at the time. You know, you go back and watch the the chicken cannon sketch. Right. That you can get a good good <laughs> sense of what that year was like when you guys did it on on New Year's, uh, a New Year's special, which which I thought was was Absolutely. so was so great. Yeah. Just a sidebar question: Where did that iconic that iconic sketch come from? Uh, well, what happened was. Two of our writers, uh, we didn't have many. We only had, we, we had three core writers throughout our career. We were a very small unit. Uh, it was Rick Olson and Gord Holcomb. They, when we were doing TV the first year, they, uh, they were talking to our um, uh, prop guy, the guy who did special effects, and his name was Ralph. And they, and they said, what do you do when there's nothing to do in the... Uh, like because Ralph had a in, in, in the special effects area, they had all kinds of junk in there. And he said, "Well, what do you do when there's not a demand? Because there are days when you're, you know, on many days when you're not working at all because there's no demand for it." He said, "Oh, no, we have to clean up the place. We're all tidying up, kind of file stuff. And, you know, just, maybe we just uh, shoot stuff out the cannon." Uh, and they went, "What?" And, and it turned out they had a they had an air cannon, which became the chicken cannon. In the in their in their facility, and these every so often they would just pressure up the thing, put some junk in the end, and fire it across their studio. So the guys went down, and looked at it, and said, "Well, we got to use this." So that became the chicken cannon. So the, the, the first one we did, John Morgan and I did it. I was Colonel Stacy, who was in charge of it, and John was mm -hmm. my assistant. And we we, the, 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 we didn't have time to rehearse it properly. And we uh, we kept uh, uh, I can't remember the, 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 the cannon wasn't powered up properly, and we didn't have time to do a technical rehearsal before we taped the show. So we went in and started taping the show in front of the audience, and we had not uh, um, rehearsed it. And because uh, the, the Ralph, our, our special effects guy, wanted to make sure that the the cannon had enough pressure in it, he overloaded it. So the very first thing thing we fired out of it went right through the prop wall. We had a, we had a, a slats made of, uh, I can't remember, it was quarter inch plywood or something. <laughs> we fired, went right through it. And John and I totally lost it. We went, oh my God. <laughs> it was hilarious. Anyway, um, I, I don't know how, uh, oh yeah, if you asked me about chicken pan. <laughs> well, I, I was just going to say, if there's a metaphor for Canadian television, it's it's not having time to test the cannon. Uh, right. <laughs> that is the ultimate uh, metaphor. I, I, I love that. Um, you know, the problem with Canadian, Canadian shows then was that we, we had to broadcast our mistakes because we, we often didn't have time to rehearse them beforehand. <laughs> well, which could be the funniest, and 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 this is a good segue into maybe our next inductee, where they broadcast all the mistakes because it's completely live, and that is uh, Lauren Michaels and and Saturday Night Saturday yeah. Night Live, um, iconic shows. He he started in Toronto, um, made his way to the states, and just created this 
this amazing, I don't even call what amphitheater of comedy in, in New York. Um, an absolute legend is Lorna. I had the chance to speak with him last month very briefly, and it was one of the highlights of my life. But right. just talk about Lorne and what he's done for for Canadians that have gotten on that show and the television industry in general. Well, what he 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 did was absolutely I mean, it was a perfect example of being in the right place, the right person in the right place at the right time. Uh, we were doing a show in Toronto called The Death Society, which was the forerunner of Airfarth. And actually, Michael, uh, uh, Lauren came to the, one of the, the, the shows we were doing and we chatted afterwards. This is before he went to New York. And I remember one thing, just one bit of wisdom was, was we thought, somehow we got on the subject of characters' names. And he said, he, he insisted that Michael was a funny name. <laughs> you know, we were like, you know, like, Siegfried wasn't a funny name and whatever else, but Michael was a funny name. <laughs> but that's a piece of wisdom I'm going to forget immediately. <laughs> but yeah, he, so he was, he had, he had something that was kind of unique to Canada at the time, because so many of us working in the early days of, of television um, had to do many things. You, you, you couldn't just make a living as, 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 as a writer or just as a director or just as a whatever you had to you had to be multi-talented so when Lorne came along he'd had experience doing television in Canada uh with his partner uh and he'd done so he'd done a tv special but in which he'd been involved as a director as a writer I don't think as a performer maybe as a producer and when this opportunity came up in New York there was really nobody uh, that, that I knew of at the time that could have stepped into that opportunity and with with some confidence and said, I know we can do this. And uh, I don't know the story of how he convinced uh, NBC that he was to buy, <laughs> but so good for uh, for him and for NBC and so good for comedy. I mean, it, it, in a sense, he put, uh, well, he put live comedy back on the map. It had been there in the 50s in television, but, and and the fact that he had that that you know, what is that? They're called the not ready for prime time players. Like yeah, the, the original cast is like the, the whole essence of it was we're not quite ready, and we can do whatever the hell we want. <laughs> nobody's really watching except the NBC censors, and they do their usual shutdown stuff. But you know, but basically, have fun, have a party, see what happens. And uh, you know, he 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 pulled that off to his everlasting credit, and. I mean, I can't think, it must be thousands of comedians and comedy writers uh, ever who owe a debt of gratitude to what Lord Michaels was able to create and shepherd. It, yeah, and, and so many other kids in the hall, people don't realize that that yeah. came, you know, they got their break from Lauren making a phone call to the Rivoli and... Yeah, all the movies and specials and everything oh, that he's created it's yeah, it's yeah. it's amazing yeah so many film stars and the people that are now film stars started out as sketch players on uh snl yeah uh, unbelievable i'll do i'll do one more here for for, for you don then then i'll let you get out of here um and that's leslie nielsen uh who i, I bet if you took a poll of americans most of them would not realize that that he's actually Canadian. I had a great, I had Jim Slotek on the show and he did some writing for Leslie Nielsen. He was presenting an awards show or something. And he presented them with, with this 30 page monologue or script that he had to read for, for the thing. And he said, Leslie took one quick uh, look through this, this script 
put it down, said, looks great, and then nailed it um, <laughs> after <laughs> with no cue cards or anything. A, a dramatic actor before switching to comedy, but an amazing talent nonetheless. Yeah, absolutely. No, he, well, his great, <laughs> the deadpan doofus, you know. <laughs> uh, and, I, and also, I think, I don't even know if many Canadians know that his, his brother was Eric Nielsen, who was uh, in, in the Canadian Parliament, was a minister in the Canadian government. They could, he was living in the Yukon. They, in fact, they used to call him Yukon Eric. But uh, yeah, Leslie was great. I mean, the way the way all this chaos in the, in the films, all this chaos would happen around him, and he would be on his own track. You know, it's like doesn't matter what's happening. This is a single-minded guy who's going to do whatever, and he he knocks things over, screws people up, and trips and falls. It's all just you know full speed ahead. Yeah, he, he was a, a, a terrific performer. Terrific. And I'm, I'm one of these guys who is a bit like Robert De Niro, you know, who later in life discovered that comedy is a hell of a lot more fun than drama. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and the Naked Gun, Airplane, all those amazing all those movies. movies. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Unbelievable. We ran through half the list here. Is there any just I know I sent you the names the other day. Is there any names that that you have any maybe personal connections or stories you want to touch on before we before I let you go? I'm going to have a quick look here. Well, one of the, the one pair of names that I will mention is Frank Pepiat and John Ellsworth, because I mean nobody knows who they are anymore. But Frank Pepiat and John Ellsworth were a pair. I think Frank Pepiat was an American who became a Canadian, and I think uh, John was a Canadian. I don't know. But anyway, they both worked in Toronto for CBC in the early days of black and white television when everything was done live. And the uh, when I was a kid, uh, like I'm thinking, like you know. 10, 12, whatever years old, there was a program called, I think it was called Cross Canada Hit Parade, that um, they used, to, was kind of a, 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 it was the six or eight tops uh, songs of the week on the hit parade. And these guys would write sketches for them, which, so if it was, you know, how much is that doggy in the window or some stupid thing like that, they'd write a sketch that where the singers would, would sing it while this action would be happening about looking at a dog and the dog biting them in the bum and you know this kind of thing so there were comedy sketches written to all these things and they did it every week it was a fantastic show and that was the first kind of, uh the first sketch comedy that i used apart from Indian cheese but that was it and it was like oh, these guys are making this up and they're doing it every week how fantastic i've never been able to measure how much impact that had on me but i know that it was part of the ethos of, of performing and watching things happen that i grew up with and I, I, I know it affected me in some way that I have that I can't draw a direct line to. Um, but they were terrific. They also, I mean, John Pepe had uh, also created uh, hee-haw, which was a terrific show. Yeah, yeah, that's why I was that that famous show hee-haw that was so great. Um, Don, you talked about uh, you can't measure, you know, what the, what that meant to your career and you know what that seed that might have planted, um, right. you know, them. And and I just want to say before I let you go, Air Force has that seed for me. As I was young, when I was like eight or nine, I took a tour of the CBC <laughs> studio. And everything was set up. The the Tim Hortons uh, that right. you guys see. Oh, that the, yeah. Yep, the Canon was there, and I was just blown away. I remember on the tour they were like, "This build." It was the the CBC building that's there now. Yeah. They're like, "This building 
is is fitted for high definition. We don't use it yet, but when it comes around, we're going to be able to do television in high definition. I was like, wow, what is high definition? Okay. Uh, I remember that specifically. But anyways, that made me want to get into TV and comedy and and do all those things. And um, I've done some really cool stuff with this podcast. I thank you for for that and all on all you've done for Canadian television. I really appreciate it. Well, congratulations on your success at this last, and I I really hope uh, that thing. Does you know that that the script you wrote sees the light of day? And, I, I I hope it does too. Cheers, cheers, Don. Thanks, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. Yes, you're you're very welcome. Nice talking to you. Ah, uh, thanks, thanks so much, Don Ferguson. What a treat having him on the show. An absolute Canadian comedy legend. He's already in the Hall of Fame, but th- but that was so fun uh, chatting chatting with him and, and hearing those stories of of the people that, that he's met along the way and, and his fellow inductees. It's it's just great to hear. Okay, so as I mentioned earlier, the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame Festival Week is coming up in just a couple weeks. And if you wanna be there for these inductees, we have three amazing events that you can attend. The first event on the Festival Week calendar is our Celebration of Sketch, where we'll be celebrating the likes of Lorne Michaels, Pepiat and Aylesworth, Andrew Alexander, Phil Hartman, the cast of Wayne and Schuster. That'll be taking place at the Comedy Bar on Danforth, Wednesday, November 16th. Tickets are just $30. You go to comedybar.ca to purchase tickets. And and the people inducting them is, is an all-star cast as well. Jessica Holmes will be there, Craig Lawson, Don Ferguson, who I just talked to, he's gonna be at the Comedy Bar, Paul Constable, so many surprise guests. It's going to be an amazing show, the celebration of Sketch at the Comedy Bar in Toronto, November 16th. Now, the celebration of stand-up takes place the next night, and that'll be at the world-famous Yuck Yuck Stand-Up Comedy Club on Richmond Street in Toronto. This is where we're going to induct the likes of Norm McDonald, Mike McDonald, David Steinberg, Mort Saul, Mark Breslin. It's going to be an amazing show. Kenny and Spenny are going to be there. John Doerr, Martha Chavez, Amber Harper Young, and the great Kenny Robinson. Our president, the El Presidente, the godfather, Kenny Robinson, will be at the celebration of stand-up November 17th. Yuckyucks.com to get tickets for that. Just $30 gets you in to see all those amazing acts. It's going to be an unbelievable show. Finally, the final night of the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame Festival takes place November 18th. It is the Festival Gala featuring the likes of Derek Edwards, Gowan. It's going to be unbelievable. The inductees will include Dan Aykroyd, Catherine O'Hara, Just for Laughs, Ivan Reitman, Leslie Nielsen, Stephen Leacock, Max Sennett. Unbelievable show. It will be taking place at the Fairmont Royal York, the Imperial Ballroom, 100 Front Street in Toronto. There, there's tables available, uh, $175. This, the, the money we raise at this event will go in support of uh, Unity Health, uh, unityhealth.to. Uh, you can buy tables for corporate. It's going to be an unbelievable show. Dinner will be served. Cannot wait for that amazing, amazing festival gala. It's going to be a huge week in Toronto coming up in just two weeks. Check out our website, Canadian Comedy Hall, and our social media, CanadianComedyHall.com is our website for all the info on all those amazing events. Okay, coming up now, an interview I did uh, about a month ago 
uh, with Kathy Boyd. Kathy, I met her at Just for Laughs. Absolutely hilarious. She has an unbelievable story. Uh, got gotten to stand up a little later in life, but has been tearing it up, hitting clubs all over Ontario. She, she's absolutely hilarious. She was on Canada's Got Talent and, and, and blew the judges away, including the great Howie Mandel. Uh, had a great chat with Kathy. It was lots of fun. Here it is. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Kathy Boyd on the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. Grew up in in Maine. Is that right? Maine, I believe it was. Yeah, I can remember that. <laughs> um, I don't know how I remember that. What were your what were your like comedy influences growing up on the states? I usually ask what people's Canadian comedy influences were growing up, but you had a different kind of perspective from it. Yeah, uh, you know, um, it's always I'm always afraid to admit it, but I've always been a huge fan of Woody Allen for one thing, and um, I just really liked his humor and. Even now, if, when they're playing his movies, I'll uh, I'll watch it again because I'm always picking up something that I missed, like the ten times I watched it before. Right. But I liked him. I loved Stephen Wright, like so funny. I like that dry, deadpan kind of humor. It's kind of clever too, and um, I love Seinfeld. Not that I was growing up with Seinfeld, but I was able to watch it and mm-hmm. when he was on and stuff yeah yeah Stephen Stephen Wright is one of my favorites too and he actually he gets mentioned all the time on this show um oh, he's kind of unique in what in what he does right very nobody nobody kind of people do stuff like him but nobody quite has the same like cadence and rhythm that Stephen Wright has yeah um, a very unique stand or the look <laughs> The look, the look indeed. Yeah. And I watched that. I don't know. Did you see that comedy store documentary that came out? I think I watched it. Yeah. Amazon, And he was on it. I was like, oh, Stephen Wright is Stephen. See, he's not a character on stage. Right? Like the way maybe he was a character also in the interviews, but that was that was him the whole time. That was him. Yeah. Yeah. That was a great documentary. So what, when did you, when did you start? Like, what was your first kind of like, oh, I want to, I want to take a cro- crack at stand up. What was your, what was the, the moment where you decided to go for it? Well, actually uh, we had moved, I, I said, from London, Ontario to Toronto. I couldn't get a job. Like I was already in my fifties, every job I interviewed for, and I got a lot of interviews. I'd be interviewing for the person who was leaving, who was younger than me, and they were retiring. So you know what, there was a bit of ageism. I, you can't prove it, but I swear that's what it was. And so um, I was playing tennis and the pro said, oh, so-and-so is taking a court writing course at Second City. So I said, you know what, I'm gonna, cause I love to write. And I, you know, I used to write, when I lived in London, I. I wrote for the local newspaper, the Londoner, but they weren't funny stories. They were stories they'd send me on assignment or something. But so I went to Second City and uh, I did the writing course. That was for like 42 weeks. And it was fun. And we put on a show and, you know, we got to interview the actors to, to use in the show. And we all wrote different sketches and then uh, it was over and it was every Tuesday night for that long and one of the girls in the class a young girl from Ireland uh I said what are you gonna do now and she said I'm gonna try stand up and I went oh what the hell I got nothing to do I'll 
that's all it was. And the first night we were there, the instructor said, I want you to write five minutes about your day, um, write the most sarcastic thing you can think of, and then, no, write one thing that happened during your day, and then the most sarcastic thing you can think of afterwards. And I thought, really? Because <laughs> like, I don't get through a, a day without a bucket of sarcasm, so I thought this would be pretty easy. <laughs> this is perfect. Yeah, yeah I know. I fell in love with it. We had to get up in front of the microphone and, you know, do this five minutes for the class. And I got lots of laughs. And I only told them the truth, what happened that day. Because you give me, you tell me to do something and I have blinders on. Okay, I gotta do, they told me to do this. So this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. It's a curse. You, you took it, you took it literally in the totally. sense of. Everything. Yeah. 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 A lot of times, like I, like I've taken uh, stand-up classes a few times and, you know, some, some of the advice is lie. Like, you know, it's funnier if you lie, but, um, sometimes there's, there's truth in the fun. There's funny in the truth as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I find it hard not to tell the truth. <laughs> on stage when you're writing, do you find it hard not to tell the truth? Like, well, writing your dreams? In the past little while, I thought, well, I don't have to say that's me. I can say that's, you know, my sister or somebody I know because mm -hmm. I'm telling the truth. And do I really want people to know what goes on here in my <laughs> Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Do, is it funnier when it's you, though? Like, do you find, like, like, I had a couple jokes that were about my dad and things that he has done getting older. And then I got some advice like, hey, why don't you just say it's you? And I was like, okay, I'll try that. And it got bigger last because I think, you know, the audience knew, that at least they had a little bit of a relationship with me. You know, I find that sometimes too, but comedy is a funny thing. <laughs> it can go yeah. one way or the other, right? I know, it sure is. I, I remember we did a show in Montreal. You were on before me and, and I've heard you, I've watched a couple clips on YouTube and your opening line about um you're different from other comedians because you have a car yeah and and it worked it was, it's it's very funny line how how important is that opening that opening line to be likable to be um relatable to an audience right off the bat like how how big is that for you i think it's like so important because you got to win them over. They see me go up there and you can tell just by the glazed look on their face or the audience like, okay, what? Like, what? And so you got to grab them right away. And I thought about what I would say for the longest time, because that wasn't, you know, but it's true. I found, you, you talk about spots. I found people would invite me to shows and say, oh, can you drive so-and-so? <laughs> because they knew I had a car. So then yeah. I thought, you know what? Yeah, I'm not your stereotypical comic. I have a car, right? So then they laugh and then, and then I, I kind of got them. And they're, they're probably thinking, oh, sh there might be more to this than appearances, right? So then, you know, I usually try to, you know, get past my age by just, you know, this, the, what I do now is the thing about Canada's got talent, you know, and nobody, mm -hmm. and I said, you know, well, they don't just take anyone. Yeah. And then, you know, and then I said, but you know, 
I know why they took me. I wasn't born yesterday. <laughs> yeah, that's why they took me. Yeah, yeah. Um, someone came up to me afterwards and they said, do you really think that's why they took you? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I was funny and, you know, how many comics out there, you know, new in my age, so, yeah. And I did really well, which is was great. But then it was discouraging just to not get that. But what can you do? I want I want to talk about Cans Got Talent. It, it was funny you mentioned about the car. I've had a couple people um, on the show who were there for the early stages of Norm Macdonald when Norm Macdonald started out, and they yeah. said uh, one of them, Glenda Fordham, who did all the booking for Yuck Yucks back in the day. She said Norm was great because he had a car. So if we got a show in Guelph, Norm would would be he was the only one with a car back in the day, and that kind of like elevated him, and he was able to get spots that way, right? Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I have the luxury where I can drive to Ottawa and Montreal or Toronto from where I live. And that just, you know, just opens it up a little more. Oh, it's it pays to have a car. I can tell you. <laughs> For, so you started, I guess, a couple of years before pandemic. And then we had this, yeah. this pandemic thing over our heads. What did you do to kind of keep that, your, your momentum or what you had going in that time? I got lucky. Uh, the week, the pandemic started and they shut things down for what was supposed to be two weeks. I had hosted a week at Absolute Toronto and the headliner from LA was recording an album. And he said, would you like your audio? And I went, sure, of course, why wouldn't I? Yeah. And he gave it to me and the pandemic happened. And honestly, I am not a fan of Zoom and I just, it killed me to do it, but you had to stay relevant. So I do some Zoom shows, but um, I had this audio and it wasn't very long because I hosted, So, but I gave it to my son's friend who worked at Sorrel Sound. And I said, will you edit this? I'm gonna put this out as a EP. And he did, and um, it's still out there and it's, doing really well and like the beginning of this month i had over eleven thousand monthly listeners on spotify it's going down it's going down a bit now but um i was lucky to be able to do that put out this album i didn't have any big you know oh come to my album recording or anything i just had this audio that worked and uh, so that kept me out there didn't take off right away but then you have to promote yourself unless you have friends in certain spaces. But I noticed that other people who were doing albums would contact CBC and they would do a whole thing on that and they would give you interview questions. So I reached out to them. They did that for me. So I did that. I wrote an article for the Comedy Tribune uh, about Zoom called it the black hole but <laughs> anyway you know that kept me uh in I uh, like I said I did zoom shows I did that um once they opened up and absolute had the um plexiglass around it and you had to have social distancing so there was still some comedy happening and I'm lucky because I'm on the roster there so I could go up there and 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 still perform but it was tough. I wrote a lot, you know. 
Yeah. Wise Tracks. That's the name of the, yeah. the album, right? It's up there. Yeah. And that, that was done. That was the one you put up from, from Absolute. Okay. In, yeah. In July of, of 2020. Yeah. When you when you start stand up six years ago, you have four kids. Like you man, you have you have some jokes about them in your set. What did, what did your kids think when you when you said, "Hey, I'm going to try this and 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 make a run of it"? Um, my oldest, uh, she said, "Well, they all supported me." I mean, my son didn't like me telling jokes about him. <laughs> I have this one joke. I don't know how old you are, but about how. He's really bright, but he's not that funny. Although he left me in stitches 30 years ago. <laughs> Mom, don't say that joke. <laughs> and young people do cringe, but women who have had kids, yeah, we yeah. get it. Yeah. But, uh, but they were all really, and uh, Kate, my youngest, she came to Canada's Got Talent with me. She was, she's been really supportive and my oldest for sure. My other, my... <clears throat> Another daughter lives in St. John. So I, I go out there and do shows and she comes and she brings all her friends. Yeah, they're, they've been good. They know awesome. what a sarcastic, which I can be, you know, <laughs> need to get in the car with me in the morning to go to school before I've had my tea. <laughs> that was dangerous. Yeah. Uh, getting getting to Canada's Got Talent, what was that like? Your video, by the way, on YouTube has been viewed more than 40,000 times of your audition. Uh, what was doing that in front of Howie Mandel, um, who was one of the judges that season? That must have been nerve-wracking uh, to be in front of that Canadian legend. I really, uh, he's the one I wanted to win over. Mm -hmm. And I was we went really early and well, we went the night before because it was in Niagara Falls, but we, I had to be there at 7.30 in the morning. By the time I got on stage, I just wanted to get it over with. I was there like all day. It was like 10 o'clock at night before I got out there. Holy. Yeah, so I just wanted to get it over with. But in the meantime, my daughter who came with me, she kept texting me, mom, the judge is being really mean to the contestant. Oh, I'm thanks. Like, oh my God. Thanks I so I'm thinking, are these jokes good enough? Or, you know, you only had two minutes to impress them with your material. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, when I finally get up there, I don't know if you saw it, but I was clutching that microphone like, you know, I had a death grip on it. But Cardinal was really nice and he made me comfortable. <clears throat> and uh, right away, Howie started asking, why'd you start so late? And, and I remember telling them the story, but then they just cut it to, well, I couldn't get anybody to hire me, right? So, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, but then one, once they got the first laugh and then they kept laughing, I, I thought, oh my God, this is so awesome. Yeah. This, this is so much fun, yeah. I was so high, but then you go downstairs and they, the producer says, congratulations. Doesn't necessarily mean you're coming back to the semis. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So you never, you, you never got on the show again then? No, no. Okay. They, what they do, they take t two of kind of each talent, like the right. dance troops, two comedians. Uh, and they took, uh, I, I'm sure you watched it, Courtney. Courtney, Gale, yeah. And 
Ola, Dada. And Ola is actually headlining this week at Absolute, and I got a spot on Saturday, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> a joke about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it's your your kind of act lends really well to that two minute audition though too right like you must have felt pretty confident um going into it obviously when your daughter started texting you maybe the confidence but but your style of comedy lends really well of getting a ton of laughs in in two minutes yeah it worked out well it really did and the whole thing and then uh, at the end which i never do because i always have more than two minutes i ended with well, I got to go start my car, right? <laughs> so, and then Howie just ran with it because I almost, after they all gave me such glowing um, feedback, I started to walk off the stage and they said, wait, wait, we got to vote. And I went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and Howie right. says, I get it. You got a car to start. You know? <laughs> and I said, oh my God. Really quick and clever, yeah. Did you, did you get a chance to talk to him after or before anything? Oh, I wish I had. I wish I had. Just on the stage. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was hoping to run into him at Just for Last, but I guess he wasn't uh, there this I year. I wanted to, too. I didn't see him there. Did you? No, apparently he didn't. He wasn't there. I don't know if you saw the, um, oh, man, I forget his last name now. Andy. Yeah, the, he did. I saw, I, did, I went to that. Yeah, that was, that was super, that was super neat. The, uh, what do you, what do you call it? Um, I, I forget. Yeah, I don't know. But I, um, I it begins with an H, doesn't it? Oh, hologram, right? Holog the hologram. I and have can... to go through the alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a that's a smart technique. Um, yeah. The uh, you could hear Howie laughing in the background. I don't know if you could hear that. So they were in they were in L.A. So yes. Um, yeah. And Andy made a couple comments to Oh, it's your festival, Howie. You couldn't be there. Um, yeah, that was really cool. I loved being at the festival. I, I really enjoyed your. Um, pitch everybody's pitches like people are so talented good god I yeah really, we no, we didn't know what to expect like i had no idea i never pitched a tv show and then you know we walk in i'm like i know um he sam from you know he was nominated for the judo for comedy album of the year you know like i know these people were pitching against from from doing this show and being involved so i was like oh man like we're up against some real writers here so um yeah it was cool and you were one of them. Like you did really well. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It worked out well for us. It worked out really well. So, what what would something you would say to someone who who wants to get into comedy, just for whatever reason hasn't? Um, I don't know if you. I I feel this. Do you wish you started? I guess my first question: Do you wish you started earlier? Do you wish you kind of found this, or did you do you feel like you found it at the right time? Well, you know what? I wouldn't have the material I have if I if right. I had started sooner. And look at I, I had t four kids, but I had two in my twenties and two in my thirties, and then in between there, I was getting my finishing my degree, which I started at eighteen, and I finished it much later. But <laughs> and I worked full time, like I was a single mom for a while, and so you know there was never a time. But I. Like I said, I've always liked to write. When I lived in London, I also went to Western. They had a, a certificate in creative writing and they had some humor writing there. And that, I knew that's what I wanted to do. I just couldn't figure out how. I, I kept a blog when I first moved here for a year, but I, I couldn't build. I didn't know anybody. I had like 15 followers. They were all relatives. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Stupid. 
but um, sure, I wish I did because I think it's a, an advantage. They like it that you have um, years behind you. Like, you know, you can't just come out of the gate and be a hit and have them look at you because no. you didn't put your time in, right? So yeah. 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 It's one of those things where I think it's a, the, the 10,000 hours thing might be a bit of a myth in this uh, field. Cause I, I mean, there's people that I've seen that have been doing it a year and are just as good as somebody doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. You Absolutely. know, but then, you know, you get, well, not only that, I think you get overlooked, you know, there's certain types or JFL especially looks for, you know, you got to tick off. I, I hate saying it out loud, but everybody knows it's true. You have to check off the right boxes, mm -hmm. right? Um, I know one year, um, now I can't even say it out loud because, you know, this is going to be a podcast, but I was definitely not something that they were looking for. Okay? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe yeah. the female part, but that that was it. My final question is, of course, this is the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. Uh, we, we we have a whole bunch of names who are, are currently in the Hall of Fame next month or in the next couple of weeks. Actually, we're going to announce this class for who's going to get in the Hall of Fame. Um, I know you don't know all the names who are in and who's nominated all this stuff. But who do you think, um, if it was Kathy Boyd's Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame, who would you induct into the Hall of Fame? Um. Well, I'm sure some of the ones I would induct are probably already in there, like Norm MacDonald or Martin Short. Um, I don't know if Howie's in there. Howie should be in there, I suppose. Yeah, Howie's not in, and he's not nominated yet this year, but uh, definitely... No, because he's still current. I he's, think still, he's still very much... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they must wait until you... But, you know, um, Canadian comedians like there's a I don't know who would you choose the big the big one for me um has always been Lorne Michaels he oh, is God. like yeah I always think of it, him as an American yeah it, yeah yeah he got the the Kennedy award right the honors yeah yes. that was a he that was should. a great definitely. broadcast definitely yeah. for SNL um I, I actually um I, I did media at the Emmys last week. So I got to speak to Lauren Michaels and oh, cool. I said, uh, Hey, Lauren, I'm with the Canadian comedy hall of fame. You're actually nominated this year for the hall of fame. And just so quick, he goes, what, I'm not in it yet. He's like, how am I not in the hall of fame yet? Yeah. Uh, he's like, you Canadians move real slow, real slow. <laughs> it was funny. It was great. He was the nicest guy ever. He was the best. Thanks a lot, Kathy, for, for joining me on the show. And uh, yeah, good luck on everything. I know you have uh, on iTunes and Spotify Wise Tracks. Um, and if people want to know more about your shows and everything coming up, it's boydsoflondon.com. Is that right? Right. That's my website. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks so much. Okay. Thanks for having me. Thanks once again to Kathy Boyd for joining me. It, it was a ton of fun talking to her about Canada's Got Talent and all the amazing things she's done. If you want to know more about Kathy or want to find where she's going to be performing comedy next or you want to listen to her album, just go to boydsoflondon.com. That's where to hear and see everything Kathy. Also, thanks to Don Ferguson 
an absolute Canadian legend, Don Ferguson, already in the Hall of Fame. But it was a ton of fun talking to him about all these uh, great new inductees that we will see in the Hall of Fame next week. Next week is Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame Festival Week. It's November 16th, 17th, and 18th in Toronto. Go to our website, CanadianComedyHall.com, to find out all the events and where to get tickets for them. Still tickets available, but they're selling really, really fast. These shows are going to be sold out, so get them now. That's it for me. That's it for episode 17. Uh, I have a big episode coming up next week where Ron James will join us. Had a great chat with him. It's going to be a ton of fun. So stay tuned for that. For the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast, I'm Chad Noonan.